Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to the Big Red Bench in Cork, Servetta Femme, with me, Valerie Wheeler. What a busy show coming up tonight. I'm here until 7pm. We preview the biggest game of the weekend. It is the Monster Senior Football Final. We will hear from both camps. Ronan McCarthy and Ian McGuire of Cork joins us and Tipperary Football Manager David Power. Today also is the 100th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. 14 people killed in Croke Park Stadium in Dublin. I will be chatting to Sunday Times journalist and author of The Blooded Field, Michael Foley, to remember the victims of the day. Also, we're going to be chatting to Evening Echo. Eamon Murphy's going to be catching up with us on tomorrow's game, also in Park Creeve. All that and more is on The Big Wrench between now and 7 o'clock on Cork's Red FM. You're welcome to the Big Red Bench this evening with me, Valerie Wheeler, here until 7pm. It is a hectic show coming up, but I'm really excited to jump straight into it. So let's get the sports news of the day. We're going to start with the GA. So Galway have beaten Tipperary in the All-Ireland Senior Hurling quarterfinals in LIT Gaelic Grounds earlier on today. It was a cracking game to watch. It finished 3-23 to 2-24. So Galway now face Limerick in a repeat of the 2018 All-Ireland final in the semi-finals in just eight days' time. In the other quarterfinal, a Waterford have beaten Clare. Um, I've seen this one coming. I was... I was rooting for Watford. Hope there's no Clare fans listening. But they have beaten them 327 to 318 to reach the semi final of the All Ireland for the first time since 2017. Kilkenny are awaiting them. So there's four teams in the running for the Lee McCarthy Limerick, Galway, Watford, and Kilkenny. So I don't know. I, I was watching both games today and I feel like Watford going so well that I'm, I actually think that Watford could be Kilkenny. And I know people are going to be listening going, this one is off her head. But I do think they stand a really good chance and it could be, like if I was to predict it right now, I'm going to say a Limerick and Watford All-Ireland final, but. You know, that's just me predicting it and sure, what do I know? To the Premier League, it is back after the break for the international games and don't we wish we didn't have the break at all after what's gone on over the last few weeks in Ireland camp? So in the early game today, Chelsea have beaten Newcastle United 2-0. Um, Tammy Abraham and Federico Fernandez had an own goal and they put them at the top of the table around today. Brighton got the better of Aston Villa as it finished 2-1. The big game of the day is between Tottenham and Man City and that is underway since 5.30. There currently is... Is there a score in that? No, it is. It's 1-0. So Spurs have a goal there. Um, also, uh, tonight at 8 o'clock, Man United and West Brom. And in rugby, Ireland, England have beaten Ireland 18 points to 7 in their Autumn Nations Cup game. William Elser was at Twickenham. England 18, Ireland 7 in the Autumn Nations Cup. A late Jacob Stockdale try, meaning Ireland avoid the embarrassment of a shutout. But it can't hide that they were very much second best today. The result is likely to mean England win this pool with a final game to come against Wales. The victory was set up with two tries from Johnny May in the first half. England very impressive in this one. It finished England 18, Ireland 7 at Twickenham in the Autumn Nations Cup. Lovely, that is a sports roundup of this afternoon. Now let's kick off. It is the biggest game of the weekend. Tomorrow on Parky Cueve, 1.30 is the time. It's, it's very early so everyone needs to have the fry hat, the feet up, the fire on while I freeze below on Parky Cueve. It is Cork and Tipperary in the Munster Senior Football Championship final. Hopefully we will get a crack game and some weather like today would do it just needs to be fresh and dry last week Rory caught up with the Cork camp ahead of the game he was on a Zoom call with 
both um, Ronan McCarthy and Ian McGuire of Cork. But first up, let's take a listen to Cork manager Ronan McCarthy. He was asked about injuries ahead of the game. Yeah, it, it, I think we're OK. Um, we trained last night. You know, obviously, fellas who, who played you know, most of the game did, did very little. Um, but you know, we had a group between fellas who came on as subs and guys who weren't involved in the match day panel. We did, you know, a group of fifteen or so that that trained. So, um, there, look, there will be knocks and, and a few knocks and bruises. Michal Martin got a blow his leg there near the end of the game. You know, might put him in trouble for training tomorrow. That kind of stuff. But for overall, for a game that was. You know, a lot of, lot of kind of intense kind of contact in it. We came out of it um, fairly, fairly okay, I think. Can you uh, just clarify on Marquinhos' availability? Uh, is he not due back training with Colin until December or is it January? The honest answer is, I understand. Like, I, I, my, my, as I understand, he's not due back to January. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but I suppose just to, to clarify, if if someone tells me differently, you know, that's going to happen at the moment. Um, and I suppose we saw position for for the game, and uh, and we we'll do that in the game by game. Just the the venue announcement last night that Porky Queeve, sir, taking that I suppose to get home advantage. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, again, you look for for any advantage that you can get, and and certainly the fact that we played there. Um, you know, obviously last Sunday and are there again. Um, you know, it helps. And I suppose we've gone from you know where we had a very poor record uh, at home, which I've acknowledged previously. Over the last couple of years, we've put a little run together of of between the league matches and obviously the Kerry game last Sunday. Where you know we've been consistent at home and winning matches, and we need to try and keep that going. Well, and when you say game by game, have you approached Collingwood already? Like they seem to react very positively to the to Mark's appearance. Uh, they obviously tweeted about the goal and, and whatever. Uh, but have you been in touch with them this week? Yeah, we, we as I say, we 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 look for we we look for permission again. Um, you know, for 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 the next game. You know, in the end of the day, here we, you know, we have to acknowledge he he's he's their player, um, obviously on a professional and contractual basis, and and we're delighted with the support they've given us and given him, and um, but you know, at some point, wherever that'll be, um, you know, the, it, it may become an issue, and 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 that's their right and entitlement, and uh, so we just. Look, you know, we we came up what we did the last time, as I said last week. You know, the right way to do it is 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 to ask and formally ask for for permission to for to use him, and um, and hopefully it's forthcoming. And look, if it's not, we understand that as well because they also have to think themselves. Do you, do you feel fortunate, Ronan, when you consider that Tipperary tried to bring Colin O'Reardon into the the group and were uh, were told no by the Swans, whereas Collingwood seemed to be more um, open to your uh, approach? Yeah, yes, I suppose we do. You know, because ourselves fortunate, but I suppose the other side of it is that every every story is different, and you know, if you just take a player like let's say Kieran Sheen when he was there, who a lot of injury issues when he was there, you know, obviously it's not unreasonable of a club in that situation to say you know, we're not going to release the player to to, to play. So, look, I, I think the, the context here is important in that, um, you know, obviously Marcus signed up, you know, is committed to, to going back. 
um, is Touchwood, you know, injury free and, and everything else. Um, so I, I think, you know, as I say, clubs have to they have to look after themselves here. Um, you know, the the FL clubs and um, you know, I, I think maybe where a player has is recovering from injury or you know has a, a you know a, a long history of injury, then I don't think it's unreasonable for a club to to, to say no. You know, the squad numbers. I mean, you take the guys who weren't involved last last Sunday, like James Locke, Ricky and Kylie, Carlo Manny, Brian Hartnett, or McSweeney, Nathan Walsh. I mean, you're looking at over thirty players, aren't you? In the squad at the moment, how difficult is it going to be to whittle that down to 26, knowing that fellas who will be left out won't even be allowed to go to the game? Yeah, it's going to be a huge challenge for us. But excuse me, um, but that's the nature of 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 elite sports, and um, we don't, you know, we don't ever apologise to to the players, you know, for that. That's um, that's the nature of it. It's 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 competition. It's you know it's always the next, it's always the next target, and you know and satisfying and all as as last Sunday was. You're, you're kind of immediately you know you're coming in last night um, and you're you're looking ahead to the next target obviously which which is Tipperary. So it's going to be very very difficult, right? To to um, you know to pick it, but I suppose I'll put I'll put it a different way to. You. If, it, if it's generally not, it's not any, it's not a good sign if it's easy to pick. Okay, generally speaking, from the point of view of a, a, a panel, um, and you have young, you know, Daniel Manny there as well from from Knocknagree has come into the panel and, and done very well for the last um, five or six weeks, you know, and and I think I don't know did you mention Niall Hartnett? So we've a lot of like we've a lot of players, obviously at different phases of of of, of their development, but um, but I, I suppose look, you know when you look at the likes of we'll say. Sean Mean, you know, who who played very little throughout the league, for example, you know, um, you know, and, and his performance last week, um, you know, you'd look what you're always looking for. Obviously, you can't, you know, you're not going to do you're not about wholesale change or anything like that, but you are looking for someone, you know, to come late, a bolter, somebody who, you know, you know, you know, I, I suppose is a bit of a surprise, um, and, and I suppose the message to the players has been, you know, clean slate, we start again, and 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 the doors open for everybody, and. Um, you know, look, I, I thought we were we were brave in in in, in our selection, um, you know, last week, and and I think we have to continue to be brave, you know, um, uh, you know, you're asking the players, I suppose, to show courage when they go up and play in the pitch, and 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 I suppose as a management team, we have to we have to do the same. Very good. And Tipperary is going to be it's going to be weird months to find for solids in November, it's lunchtime on a Sunday, nobody at the game, and Tipperary wearing green and white, mm. and bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, but I suppose look, the whole thing really from you know from start to finish since since from lockdown to you know there was going to be no GA championship and then you know there was and you know but you know it's gone an awful long time and the whole thing is really it's very very strange um, you know and I think I said to a good a good few years after the load match you know that you know it's so alien really the whole thing you know but that the other side of that is. You know, certainly people seem to, you know, want the games or enjoying the games, you know, and um, um, and certainly from a player's point of view, 
um, you know, they're, they're you know once they get into it, it is strange. Once they get into it, look, you're playing a match, and and you know they're not too too worried about crowd or or, or anything else. So look, it, it's going to be strange. The whole thing is is, is a bit strange anyway. But um, we've kind of put that aside, and um, we've put that aside and and focus on. And actually, I suppose the message here is keep it simple. In the end of the day, you know whatever jerseys Tip are wearing, um, you know you know, whatever, no crowd or whatever it is, um, it's still a game, competitive game, and, and I, you know, and we prepare for it the same way as we did for the other ones. What are you expecting from Tape? I mean, you know each other to come, almost inside out at this stage. Yeah, so, look, obviously we played them in 18 in in the in the championship, um, and, look, you know, this year in the league, last year in the league, um, so, you know, look, they caused us ferocious trouble above in in um, in the match in Thurles this year in the league, and I can't hardly get three goals or four goals. You know that um, I, I suppose that that kept us in the game, and we just got out of it. So, yeah, we've had a couple of good um, we've had, had a couple of good um, tussles with them over the last number of years, and um, you know they seem to have kind of gained a bit of momentum from from the end of the league, um, and and have taken it on. So. Um, you know, I, I expect more of the same. But in the end of the day, look, we have to look at ourselves and make sure that um, we are right going into the match. Ronan, dear Richie, and here, sorry, just one question, if you don't mind. Um, Ronan, how important now do you see the role of senior players after success like this? I suppose trying to first keep people, you know, keep the younger players who might have experienced something like this before, keep their their feet underground, and then just going forward into amongst the final and hopefully further. Yeah, um, look, they have a role. Um, look, there's no question they have a role. Um, I suppose look, what I'd say about that is the senior players do it by 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 example, you know. And um, you know, if I could give you know an example of that, when we name you know we name a team on a on a Thursday night, um, you know, we just walk in, we name the new team, we name the panel, you know, and. Um, like an example of that last year, Paul Carrigan, for example, you know, Paul Carrigan, I think, got four points in play against Dublin in the Super 8s, right? And didn't start the next day against Tyrone, you know? And he was the first player into into training after, you know, we named the team on a Tuesday and he was the first player into training on, on Thursday and he was out on the pitch early as he always is and, and and that's what you, I suppose, what has developed in the group is there's a, there's a you know, a good culture developing in the group and I suppose the point there is that if if Paul Kerrigan, who's won every medal in the game, you know, and has a career of fourteen years, if that's the way, you know, he sets the example and leads the way, then, you know, younger fellows will follow it and, and, and certainly that that's important. So, you know, I, I think your point is a is is a valid one and what we ask there is, you know, for um our senior guys, uh, you know, and our, you know, leaders in the team to to, to lead by by example basically and, and they do that and you know that has again developed over the, the last number of years and um, and it's you know it's amazing the win on, on, on Sunday will bring on more leaders in the team as well you know so so it's a real positive Ronan McCarthy speaking to media and Rory ahead of tomorrow's game now Rory's on Cork duty whereas last week ahead of the Munster final I caught up with Tipperary manager David Powers his side take on Cork tomorrow I started by asking David was himself and the team looking forward to the game yeah sure look it's been great I suppose since Saturday um, it's been great to be talking about a Munster final it's been a tough four weeks we're after playing four matches in 20 days 
Um, but it's been great. We're, we're after getting four wins on the trot. And I always felt the first game against Offaly, even though they probably wanted to do or die, I suppose the Leitrim game was probably more important maybe than the Offaly game. But to me, I always felt the Offaly game was probably the most important game because if we could have got a win there, which we did, it just sets the tone for the rest of the season. And I think that's what's that's what's after happening. We're after getting four wins out of four. Yes, we weren't look, we weren't good against Limerick, but that's that's a couple of things. That's Limerick being Limerick are after huge improvement, absolutely huge improvement. They're after winning the McGrath Cup this year, they won the division four as well. Um, you know, but we were probably a bit leggy because look, the Clare game was a very, very tough game, and 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 like that was always going to be a tough game. So to get to go to Limerick and to get a result was actually it was huge for the team. But it was, I suppose, the other big thing was also was I suppose the first three games were always kind of in control really of the games. The Limerick game we weren't, and the lads really had to fight, and and it was it was really great to see. Yeah, do you know what? Sometimes it might not be bad that you did have a good test against Limerick because now you know maybe you know that the lads are able to do something like it, maybe get to that level again and get that bit of a comeback. But have you seen a change in those players every week since they're winning every week? Have you seen a different momentum to them? Their confidence? Have you seen a change in them? Oh, oh absolutely! Like the confidence, I suppose pre-COVID, our form was very hit and miss. Um, you know, we we drew against down, we bet loud, um, then we lost up up in Derry, and then we lost to Cork, and probably Cork was probably one of our best performances, probably in the league. We're very unlucky that night to lose by a point, um, but since since coming back since the 14th or 16th of September, um, there was just a different energy there. Um, we got a, probably a couple of key fellas back as well, the likes of Michael Quilliven and Liam Casey and Paddy Fien. Um, and there was definitely a different, you know, and we played very well in a couple of challenge matches that we played. And I felt, yeah, we were, you know, I, I was feeling really positive that we we're going to have a good campaign. You know, I suppose the number one priority was always to, to make sure that we're going to stay in Division 3. But I always felt if we could do that, that we always had a massive chance against Clare and and then we'll say Limerick. So the Limerick test was huge, but yeah, you can absolutely see it. The confidence has grown. Um, even last night of training, it was a great, great session because they're all looking forward to it. And, and that's the big thing. I, I keep saying to them, we have to embrace it, enjoy it because, you know, look, we have a massive opportunity here and to be talking about almost the final is super. Yeah, I think, you know, you were last there in 2016 and it's been a long time since you did win one, David, so I'm sure that you will want to push on the next day. But speaking of that day in the Gaelic rounds, I mean, Conor Sweeney standing over that ball mm. on the sideline. I mean, he's a magician at this stage. It's like we could talk yeah. about him all day if we wanted to. Yeah. Look, he's, um, like, there's a, he's a very humble person. He's a fellow that works very hard in the training field. But not only does he work hard for himself, he works hard for the team. And, and that's what he is. He's a leader. And um, don't I look the way he stepped up for that score. Because ultimately, if he didn't get it, that was it. We're gone. Um, and I wouldn't be talking to you here today. You'd be, you'd be probably talking to Billy Lee. So, um, so look, it was a fantastic score. And I am I am truly delighted for him because the, because he's after giving so much service to Tipperary football, and for him to be leading out the team on Sunday week would be a great honour for him. What now? Since he looked back at the Limerick game, I mean, what now do you need to work on? 
Yeah, I suppose. Look, I suppose we have to look at Cork in, in many ways, but ultimately, I suppose we have to look at ourselves and can we improve? And I think, and I think we can. Um, I think, I suppose. Um, uh, look, there's a couple of areas we have to be a bit more composed on the ball. We probably have to move that ball a bit faster, and also probably from our own kickouts as well. Um, um, we probably have to improve as a collective. That's not down to the goalkeeper. That's down to players actually moving and. Don't looking for the ball as well. So look, they're all key areas. But if we can move the ball fast, like we have in in certain periods of matches over the last four weeks, but we have to do that for seventy minutes there on Sunday week because if we have any chance, that's that's what we're going to have to do. And um, you know, so yeah, look, I think that's like there are a couple of key things that we have to we have to be moving the ball fast. Um, we have to make sure that our kickouts that. That we're absolutely nailing them, and then and then hopefully that gives us then a platform then to hopefully to, to actually perform. Two weeks to prepare for a monster final is it enough? Oh yeah, uh, uh, look, I, I think um, Valerie straight up. I think it's an honour to be to be involved to be playing. I think I see it there myself. I was walking down the blue way between Clonmel and Shield last Sunday morning, and people were absolutely buzzing. It's given people something to talk about. Um, you know, so I think it's a great privilege for us to be able to, we'll say, to, to be playing. Um, so for us, yeah, I think we needed a week off in terms of that we don't have another match this weekend. So the two weeks, absolutely. I think it's, look, I think it's great to be talking about it once when. Did you sit down on Sunday and watch Park and Kerry? We did, I did. I, I sat down and watched it with my baby son Dara. He's a seven month year old. So um so look, um it was great to be actually home on a Sunday spending time with my family. And uh yeah, look, we watched uh we watched Cork and Kerry. It was a very, very tight game. It could have went either way. Um, you know, and I think Kerry got caught with the soccer punch just at the end, and these things happen and that could easily happen to us as well. So it's gas the monster semi finals. They're, they're very similar and very they're, they're tight competitive games that both went to extra time so you know, both teams will be coming in you know, with that bit of confidence and I suppose Cork more so, so because they're after getting their first win against Kerry and I think it was eight years mm-hmm. so, so so like Cork are going to be coming in with huge confidence as well What are you expecting from them? Um, I'm expecting a. I'm actually expecting a great final because uh, if it's anything like the league match in February, I think it's going to be a super football final. Um, they have a lot of good players. Obviously, they've they're a very strong midfield. Ian McGuire, Killen, O'Hallan, uh, Brian Hurley in the full forward line, Mark Collins, uh, Luke Conley came on. I'd imagine I would say. I'd imagine he'd be starting against us, um, you know, and they've some very good young backs that that won under twenty all Ireland as well. So, look, they're look, they're a good team. Then obviously Sean Powter as well, you know, he you know, he likes going forward with the ball. He's a powerful player, so they have a lot of good players. Um, so look again, but. Like we feel if we can get a performance that the lads are more capable of getting a performance that we can that don't we we can certainly put it up um against Cork and, and hopefully who knows, look, this year has been so weird, anything can happen. Yeah, you are going to mark the occasion, the hundredth anniversary of Bloody Sunday as well, which is great by wearing the green and white jerseys. I mean have you, are you going to maybe put them on a train in some night? Could that be a bit of a confusion or distraction for some players changing the jersey? 
Yeah, yeah, but look, yeah, look, we're going to be obviously training in in uh, that jersey for a couple of nights and getting used to it. But I, I think, look, the question was posed to us on on Saturday evening, and uh, I think for for a Tipperary football team to be in the Munster final on on the, on the exact weekend, which is a hundred years ago, I think it's a very very fitting uh, for us to be wearing it, and you know, and for the players. There was no question. It was you know, like we have a leadership group, and I put the question in, and straight away, it you know, it'd be an honour for the players to be wearing that jersey on that weekend. And and again, look there. That's another, I suppose, factor that we have to be looking out for. That ultimately, it is a jersey. Um, but um, look, there'll be no excuses. Um, we're going to be training. We'll see with that jersey over the next couple of nights, which which lads will be able to get used to as well. Yeah, I know. I think it's probably important that they do try and get used to as well. You are travelling to Cork. Um, I know that's probably maybe something you would have preferred, maybe a neutral venue. Uh, no, look, um, look. I think there was a bit of confusion there. Um, look, Cork and Tip have a home and away, um, we'll say, an arrangement. So, like, that's no problem. Um, uh, look, uh, Cork, um, we can embrace it going down there. It's a fabulous pitch. It's a fabulous stadium down there. So there's no crams for us. We're just going to get on with the job. We knew, look, look, we know since I think it was Tuesday really that we found out that it was going to be in Cork. And look, it's very simple. We do, we get on with it. Um, and and look, uh, the lads have played there before. They played Cork in the National League there two seasons ago. So look, they'll be well used to it. And today it was reported everywhere that Colin O'Reardon is after getting the green light from Australia, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, look, um, um, it is true, um, um, which is look, which is great news for the for the group, and that's what it is. And it's not about Colin now either. And, and Colin uh, has said that. Um, look, uh, we got the great news there yesterday morning. Um, that he got to go ahead from, we'll say, from the Swans. And we're very thankful to the Sydney Swans for our own Colin because he's under contract. And um, look, it's it's fabulous. Um, um, like Colin has been training with us over the last number of weeks. He's been with us for match days as well. He's helped, he's helped the, we'll say the lads, we'll say on the line. So he's been with the setup for the last six, seven weeks. So it's not as if that he's just coming in for these two weeks he's been there and no better man um, we're, we're, we're very proud of him as a fella because he's done so much for Tipperary football even even though he's such a young man I've known him obviously since the minor in 2011 he was only 15 when he played against Dublin and um, he's an incredible young fella and um, look when um, he rang me there yesterday morning it was a great feeling and I was saying yeah, that's going to be another headache for us now uh, when picking the twenty six. But look, that's that's the problem that I wanted, and that's the that's the big that's the big thing that we've been trying to create. You'll probably know that every 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 week the twenty hour twenty six is changing, and, and it's changing for a reason because uh, because either on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, whenever we're playing that internal match, just different lads standing up and they want to be part of it, and that started last night, and that's you need that you need that competition there, which is great. Yeah, and I think I'm sure the competition is going to go through the roof now that Colin has been given the green light. I'm sure you'll have a major yeah. headache because something like this did work out for Cork last weekend. But David, have you enjoyed the championship this year so far? 
Uh, yeah, look, I have, I have, um, you know, um, I found it like, like being honest with you, it's, it is tough going, like for me personally, this time of year, um, like we're in income tax season, we'll say work wise. And, um, and then I have a young baby at home and I have a wife to look after. So it's, 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 it is very tough in terms of that because you want to be spending time with your family. You're busy at work. And then you've tipped football as well, so um, it's been challenging. But um, you know, when you're winning, it's very enjoyable. And uh, but I'm very, very fortunate at the same time as well that I've that I've got a great backroom team of Paddy Christie, head coach, Robbie Cannon, SNC coach, Joe Hayes, Charlie McGeever, then selectors coaches Tommy and Tommy Tumi then does all the video analysis and he's a selector. And then we have you know uh, with the nutritionists, the physios. The logistics, um, we'll say the gear, we'll say the kit man. If I didn't have that support around me, I just simply wouldn't be able to do this job. And um, I'm very, very fortunate to have those people. But I'm very fortunate to have a good county board, a good football board, and the Friends of Tip Football also supporting us. So all those factors help. But yeah, look, um, um, like... There's no doubts about it. I have enjoyed it, but don't, uh, your time management has to be so key at, uh, we'll say around this stage. Like, you know. Of course. And just before I let you go, how are the injury updates? I know uh, Jack Kennedy and Stephen O'Brien, have you any injury updates on those? Yeah. Um, so um, Stephen and Jack, like they're back, look, they're back, they're back with the physio. So it's, I suppose it's a bit early to say how, like we'll say how they're going. We're hoping they'll be um, back for the Munster final. But uh, like at the minute, it, it is too early to say. Like the physio is happy with Stephen progression, but he's still not back on the field. We'll say back with the group. Jack Hendy, um is the same as well, and he like that's a fresh injury. So we'll probably know about Jack, you know, and Stephen hopefully by the start of next week. Um, but hopefully, because we do need everyone and um, and our two key players. But look again, we've won. Like Stephen started against Clare, um, you know, but mm-hmm. we'll say one day able to finish. So we've been, but other lads have been given the opportunity. Young. Uh, Connell Kendi has done very, very well for a young lad. He's done very, very well midfield. So, like we're grown lads as well, which is great. And 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 again, it is about the squad. And I think that's the one thing about this type of championship as well, Valerie. It's your depth in your squad is so important because you're just not you're not going to win games or championships with just fifteen players. Well, great. And everyone else all clean with the health. Other than that, yeah, yeah. The, the, the other fellas that came off. Um, Kevin Fahey, Colin O'Shaughnessy, Emmett Maloney. It was just pure cramp. Um, and I think it was all the games in 20 days catching up with him. And that's, what, that's what it was. I can imagine. David, thank you so much for giving me your time. I know you're currently at work flat out doing income tax. So thanks a million for joining <laughs> us. And very best luck to you. Thanks very much, Valerie. Thank you. David Power, Tipperary football manager, great to give me the time while he was at work last week, you know, and take some time out to chat to me. But that was David Power, head of the Munster final tomorrow. On the way, Eamon Murphy of the Echo and Michael Foley on Bloody Sunday. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. Right, welcome back to the Big Red Benjamin Valerie here until 7 o'clock. On this day 100 years ago, a massacre happened in Croke Park in Dublin when British forces opened fire on a crowd attending a Tipperary in Dublin match in retaliation for the IRA killings of British officers that morning. 
14 Flames will be set alight on Hill 16 this, this evening ahead of the Leinster football final between Dublin and Mead tonight at 8. There's a beautiful ceremony ongoing there at the moment to remember the people killed there on Bloody Sunday. Joining me in the big red bench is Sunday Times journalist and author of The Blooded Field, Michael Foley. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Valerie. Thanks a million. Michael, a lot of us know about Bloody Sunday, but you certainly over the last few years have dived deeper into the history and lives um, that, you know, live on in Irish history. And it was pretty horrifying, probably what you found. Yeah, I mean, that, I suppose, you know what? It was that kind of assumption that got me started, really, that assumption that we do know about Bloody Sunday. And, you know, the further I got into it, I realised that, you know, God, for something that we think we know, there's an awful lot here that we don't know. And there's a huge amount of sort of learning here in terms of the lives of the people who were killed, uh, what they went through, what brought them all to Crow Park that particular day, and what happened to them. Because, I mean, you know, for years, for years we didn't even know how many people were killed. Like, we knew Michael Hogan, and we knew the Hogan stand, and that was kind of, and the Michael Collins film, I suppose, in the mid-90s, had a bit of Bloody Sunday in it, but that was about the height of it. Um, when you actually drill into the reality of what happened and find out there was 14 people killed, three children... Uh, a woman who was due to be married the following week and was actually buried in her wedding dress. And you start, you know, delving into their their stories in that way. Suddenly, it, it becomes a, t- a very real and a totally different scene entirely. And you probably let it consume you for years as well, Michael. I probably did. I probably did. And I say, if you ask people close to me, they'll probably say maybe for better or worse. I'm not sure, but it was yeah. Like I mean, I started. I started into the research for it in 2011. Um, so that's nine years ago. That was for that was for the book that came out first in 2014. And like from that, um, there was kind of greater interest. And and the GAA there was eight people in unmarked graves uh, in 2014 at the end of the research. So the GAA and the families we kind of worked together to put gravestones on, on on those on seven out of those eight. So that kind of brought it on again. And obviously there was there was enough sort of new information coming through in the last five years to do an updated book again. And as you mentioned there, like, I mean, we had the Docu TV documentary mm. this week as well and podcasts and so on. So yeah, it's been, um, it's been, it's, it's kind of been part of what I do for a long, long time now. It's great though. Can you take us back to the morning of the 21st November 1920 at around 9.30 probably in Dublin? That is when chaos broke into the city. Yeah, it was around nine in the morning. There was IRA squads that were sent to 35 different locations across Dublin. This was the biggest operation that the IRA had conceived uh, during the War of Independence. And the idea was to go and try and cripple the British intelligence network that was really making good inroads into them. Um, they went to the 35 houses, um, but there was, there was only people in eight of them. And in the end... 15 people are killed and mortally wounded. We're talking about men pulled out of their beds and shot at point-blank range by guys. I mean, you know, we think of IRA volunteers now and we don't realise that these guys were, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, early 20s, not necessarily um, fully trained in their weapons. Um, so it was the most intimate form of killing imaginable uh, and it had, a, it had a huge impact on everybody involved. Um, and then afterwards, they, they scattered across the city uh, one of them was the Dublin goalkeeper Johnny McDonald. He was part of one. He was part of a support group with with one squad that went to a house on Upper Mount Street, and he got a. He went back down to the Liffey, got a boat back across the Liffey to the north side, went home, uh, prepared himself, got his gear, and went up to playing goals for Dublin uh, against Tipperary that afternoon. 
Like it just sounds nuts. What you're saying sometimes it's hard to take in, to be honest, Michael. But look, crowds were expected in Croke Park. It was an attractive venue to hit, you know, and fans and footballers descended on Croke Park for a challenge game between Dublin Tipperary and I, I think no one could have imagined what would happen that day in Croke Park. Absolutely. And I think that's the, the I think in a way that's what makes it even more horrifying. That you know, for all of us now, like you know, when we go to Croke Park, it doesn't even need to be for for a sport, I mean, it could be for a gig or some kind of an event you're going to. You're going there because you look. You're going there to enjoy yourself. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen at a match? Your team loses. You know, you get over it. You're going to have a good day out one way or the other, hopefully. So, it was the same in 1920. People pronged that game because there wasn't many matches at the time. So we had 15,000 people there. The British authorities decided to go to Crook Park because they felt that the Dublin Brigade of the IRA weren't capable of planning and carrying out that operation in the morning on their own. So they reckoned. There must have been people come up from the country, maybe under the guise of football supporters, in a support capacity, maybe an organisation capacity. So they went to Croke Park to perform a search operation to see, would they find anybody? Could they find uh, guns, documents, anything at all that might lead them to the, to, to, to the people who carried out the killings in the morning? But of course, when they got to Croke Park, um, it turned out a very, very different, a very different result. Yeah, to me, Michael, I think to know that the first two victims were innocent children sitting on a wall watching the game, it's just, it's scary. It's harrowing. It is harrowing. And, you know, I mean, the police, it was a, the police did all the shooting, which I think makes it in a way more more intense as well, that your own police are firing on you. Like the, the, the trucks arrived on the bridge, the Canal Bridge, if people know Crow Park, the geography of it, just on the southwest corner there. And police basically jumped out, started firing um, other police ran down a little alley and went through a turnstile and as you say 11 year old William Robinson was sitting in a little tr- a tree at the corner of the ground watching 10 year old Jerome O'Leary was just further down the canal end along sitting at a wall uh, watching he'd been put up there by a spectator to get a better view you can imagine 10 years of age in the big crowd she wouldn't be able to see anything and you know it's it's harrowing to think about it and again you know, sometimes down the years, I thought, well, how do you relate to these people? You know, and it's actually very easy. I mean, all you have to do, I mean, I was 10 years old when I went to Croke Park for the first time. And you can imagine how excited Jerome O'Leary would have been going to the game. I was I was 11 when I went to my first All-Ireland final. Uh, you know, I'm sure William Robinson was, was beside himself. He had the best seat in the house. And from that, it's 90 seconds of firing. Uh, 14 people are killed. The youngest is 10 years of age. The oldest is 57. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, a woman is killed who's due to be married the following week. Um, it's and it's the whole spectrum of Irish life. It's people from the tenement buildings in Dublin all the way to farmers like Michael Hogan, the Tipperary player, down the country. People from Dublin, Wexford, Limerick are killed. It's been we've always thought of it up the years, I suppose, at the Crow Park uh, massacre and a Tipperary Dublin game. But this was an event that that impacted the entire country in its own way. No, it definitely did. And I think from the two boys being shot on the wall outside, it then spilled into Croke Park, where you mentioned there were some fans brutally murdered. And I know you shared some of the stories, some of the victims, but I think we're all aware of Michael Hogan and we are all we all know that it's the steps where many people share glorious memories each year as they're crowned All-Ireland champions. But not many of us know about the man himself, Michael. Absolutely. And, and you know, again, that was on my mind all the years. As you say, I mean, you know, when we're kids kicking around or hurling or whatever, uh, you know, part part of your imagining is walking up the steps of the Hogan stand. But who's, who is Michael Hogan, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when I looked into the story at the very, very beginning, I mean, he was described as the captain of the Tipperary team and he was, you know, this major IRA figure and so on and so forth. But when you went into the detail of the guy, 
he was a 24-year-old right cornerback on his second year in the tip team, trying to make his way, really nervous that day about marking Frank Burke, uh, the Dublin forward, who would have been like the Colin Cooper or something like that of his day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Asked the guy in front of him, he's playing right half back, will you swap with me? Uh, Bill Ryan and Bill said, like, I can't, because Bill's boots had got thrown out the window uh, during a scuffle with some soldiers on the way up the previous day, and Bill's boots were just very loose on him. So instead of sort of sulking away, Michael Hogan goes back to his own kit bag and pulls out a bootlace and gives it to Bill Ryan, and, you know, Bill Ryan never imagines that he's going to cherish that bootlace for the rest of his life. So, I mean, you know, even bringing that humanity to Michael Hogan, mm-hmm. I, I think, is important that we that we see that we see Michael Hogan beyond the, the the bricks and mortar and steel of the Hogan stand. That there was a real person and a real family behind all of this. And as you mentioned, you know, there was a real person and a real family behind not only Michael but all the other victims. And Michael, what you've done is brought their stories to life as well. Well, look, it's I think it's important, and you know, I think it's hugely important as well to recognise, you know. The families themselves have looked after these stories for so, so many years when really a lot of people weren't either ready to hear them or just weren't listening at all. And they've looked at, they've curated these these people's memories and they've cherished little bits and pieces of relics that they might have had down the years. I mean, Tom Hogan, 19 years of age, I mean, his family kept the coat he was killed in and they found they even found an unopened packet of cigarettes in the pocket mm. um, you know which immediately again you can imagine yourself going to a game and stopping into the shop for something on the way I mean you know these little things they, they link us right back to these people you know they all went to a, a game in Crow Park the exact same way as we go now well we normally would go now um, they would have experienced the same emotions the same feelings about going as, as we do like you know they are as much a part of us and we are as much a part of them now. And it's it's just great to kind of see this week in particular so many people engaging with the story of the victims. And hopefully, you know, down the years, whenever, if ever people come across Bloody Sunday again, that they'll engage or they'll know the story through these victims. And that's, that's, that will be their way into it. Yeah, well, I've been listening to the podcast, uh, The Blooded Field, and it talks us through the story of the terrible events of Bloody Sunday, Croke Park. And it's an emotional journey that you take us on. But, Michael, for anyone who goes to Croke Park now, I don't know, would I ever look at it the same, learning what I've learned this week, the history that, and the events that unfolded there? Well, you know, it's, it's part of the place story. It's the part, excuse me, it's the part of the story of the place. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, I've had a couple of players uh, been in touch with me, former players who won all Ireland there and saying, you know, they never, they wish they'd known more mm. about Crow Park when they'd been playing there and stuff. But you know what? It's okay. Like, it's, you know, it's part of a bigger story of Crow Park. And, you know, it's just good that we're now aware of the people who died in Bloody Sunday in Crow Park and aware that their spirit is in this place as much as the fantastic energy about Crow Park that's been derived from decades and decades of great matches and great players playing there, that the Bloody Sunday victims are part of that energy as well. And that's fine, you know. I mean, it's good. We don't, you know, I, for me, the most important thing is that the story is there in a way now that people can access in future, you know. I mean, I know that like, this week is a huge week, but the mm-hmm. tide will go out on this. And, you know, life moves on and we talk about other things. But at least if we go back to Bloody Sunday and to Crow Park, that maybe a little part of us might just for a second think about those people and just realise that the place we're going into means a whole lot more to us than, than, than just a place for a nice day out. Yeah, no, of course. And Michael, you yourself, are you happy with how you see your story being shared now and how you're able to share theirs? It's been... It's a, it's a great question. It's been, um, it's been a bit overwhelming the last while, but I've, I suppose, you know, I've lived with this for a long, long time and I've, I've kind of 
felt a lot of emotions down the years, mm. kind of meeting these the, the families and, 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 and learning more about these people. And like, you know, it's just it's just nice that the families are being recognised now and that these victims and the names, the names are suddenly becoming commonplace this week. People are talking about Jane Boyle and Daniel Carroll and Michael Feary and all these people uh, in a very easy way uh, as opposed to it being used to them now now these people are, are part of the story and look I'm not the only one as I say I mean the, the families are really the people that, that need to be remembered here they're the ones who looked after these stories they kept them they kept them for us until we were ready to hear them I mean the GA have done you know in the last five years in particular have done a fantastic job in terms of reconnecting with the families through the Graves Project um, everybody uh, everybody who's been on who's been on the road with this has helped in their own way to create a greater awareness around this story and around these people, and and hopefully we've not we're leaving it in a better place for for generations to come, rather than where we found it. And what kind of impact did these stories have on you? Do you feel like now because you've been able to share that there's a bit of a weight off your shoulders because you've been dealing with it for so long? Well, I'd always be you know I'd always be conscious that whatever I feel is different to what the families feel, yeah. so it's not like a. It's not like a grief or a trauma or, I mean, there is the burden, if there is a burden, it's the burden to get it right. Yeah. And to try and get it as close to right as I can and do it in a respectful way that seeks to understand what happened back then and seeks to understand the lives of the people who died. So that, if, the, if that's the burden, and look, you know, I, I suppose maybe it's the, the kind of, I don't know, I, I would always be anxious about the work I do anyway. Yeah. that it's kind of as close to right as it can be. So I don't think that'll ever disappear <laughs> when it comes to Blind Sunday. But I'm also aware that, look, this isn't my story. You know, mm. this is our story. And history evolves all the time, Valerie. You know what I mean? It's like, and all stories evolve all the time. Like, we will find out more about that era. We will find out more about these people that could, well, evolve this story again down the track. And that's great. That's good. I mean, I've you know, I often say it like that, we were told a black and white version of this story for so, so many years. But now we have all these shades of grey. And we, when you step into these shades of grey, sometimes they can be hard to hear. Sometimes they can be very challenging in terms of what we thought we knew before. But that's good. That's good. And if we can, if we can embrace those greys, those shades of grey, it, it creates more understanding for us. And it's creating healing. It's creating healing for the families who feel who would have felt that their that, that their relatives had been forgotten. It's creating healing for the GAA in terms of their sense of how Bloody Sunday impacted on their organization. So there can only be good in that. So like I'm I'm happy with the way people are engaging with the story. It's been nine years for me, um and I suppose I haven't really gotten my head around how it's how it feels as such. Yeah. It's it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain but I'm just I'm just so pleased to see so many people engaging with the story over the last couple of weeks. And as I say, it'll be there. It'll be there. You'll be able to find the podcast. The GA website will have a huge information hub always now. Um, the book the book has been updated. It's there. If people, people can engage with this thing at all sorts of levels, the TV documentary as well, they can dip their toe. They can get lost in it. They can, you know, they can, they can go into it at any level they want. And, and that's, 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 that's nice. That's, that's nice to know. No, it is great. And Michael, thank you so much. But people can find out more. There's a documentary in the RT Player. There's a podcast up on GA, The Blooded Field. And your book, of course, as well, can be got in all good bookstores. Um, a time of terror and horror for many a family who are affected with the events in the day. And you've given us a great chance to learn some Irish history. Thank you so much, Michael. Pleasure, Valerie. Thanks. Thanks a million for the chat.
Michael, before we let you go, um, an extraordinary story. And tomorrow the tip footballers will mark the 100th anniversary by wearing the jersey style. I mean, that's motivation in itself for Tipperary tomorrow. Absolutely is. Absolutely is. And as a as a, as a Corkman, it makes me very worried. Um, <laughs> as a Cork woman, me too. <laughs> from a Tipperary point of view, do you know what? I mean, the, the thing that the tip guys have to, I suppose, focus on, it's pretty obvious, they have to play the game and not whatever occasion yeah. has been going on over the last week. And I mean, wearing the white and green jerseys will be a very special thing for them, particularly in time to come when they know they got to wear those jerseys a hundred years and one day uh, after Bloody Sunday. But, you know, for them right now, they just have to focus on a huge opportunity. I mean, it is a massive opportunity for them. I mean, Cork are going to be coming, obviously, on the back of a terrific win over Kerry. You know, the question is, will will they have come back down to earth in time? Uh, and, I mean, you know, they've had their own little potted history with Tipperary over the last four or five years. I've seen plenty of those matches and covered plenty of those games, and I know exactly exactly how tight they have been. And, you know, Tip are going to come with a, with, with, with a huge challenge tomorrow. My hope for them is that, as I said, that the occasion doesn't overwhelm them and that whatever happens, that tip perform mm. and take it from there then. And if you were to call it, are you going to go with the heart, Michael? Well, the, for, for, on, on a rare occasion, the heart and the head are in, are in perfect rhyme oh, on this good. one. I think, I, think, I, think that Cork, I think that Cork have been obviously evolving and improving over the mm. last couple of years. The Kerry game was a huge watershed for them, you know, obviously. Um, it, Sunday is a different challenge for them uh, I think the loss of Sean Powder it seems he won't be playing the huge loss um, but I think in terms of their power around the middle third and their full forward line I think is, is potent um, we have to look at Tip's performance against Limerick okay they, they pulled out a brilliant win and Conor Sweeney's point is one of the greatest things I've ever seen on a football field but their performance in the first half of that game was not good so they're going to have to come up a few notches um, so I think between all those all those factors, if if Cork can can reach a good level of performance, I think it'll probably be enough to get through. Brilliant, Michael Foley. Thanks so much for your time today. It was great to have you on the bench. Thanks, Valerie. Thanks a million. Right, Michael Foley. There. Now we're going to turn attention to the monster final. Eamon Murphy of the Echo Sport joins me. Eamon, when I asked you to come on and chat about Cork football, you said absolutely. Yeah. Well, I suppose look, it's it's a rare chance to to, to I suppose talk positively about Cork football, given the last few years we've had. You know, and um, whenever you're kind of reviewing seasons or, or, or chatting to people over the last couple of years, it's, it's, it's all been negative. And um, so it's, it's just a huge opportunity for Cork tomorrow. A massive opportunity to get to an All Ireland semi final against Mayo to win a monster title for the first time in eight years. But it won't be straightforward either. I'm expecting it to be a really, really good game. So it's something to be excited about. Before we get into the game, Eamon, you said something there about how negative things have been for Cork football over the last few years. And you yourself know that because you're writing pieces on it and you're probably, you know, seeing people online. And how often can players get those negative comments and stuff? And do you think that that has had a knock-on effect in their confidence over the years? Ah, it probably has. I mean, you know, when you think about it, you think of all all that was said and written probably by myself and everyone else. You know, <laughs> after that game against Tyrone in two thousand and eighteen. You know, I mean, we we got such such a beating up in Port Leash that day. I was driving back down the road, you know, with my own family who were gone up to watch the game as well, and we were all kind of thinking, you know, that there, there's no way forward for Cork football. And of course, they ended up getting rele- relegated after that. You know, the following season, you really were thinking, how many more lows can come? So you have to just say hats off to. Particularly the you know the older players they're not that old but like the likes of you know Mark Collins and Brian Hurley you know even Luke Connolly who's knocking around for a few years you know they've they've got a lot of criticism they've been involved in a lot of games that have gone you know not only gone against them but have gone against them badly and mm-hmm. um, you know whatever about Paul Kerrigan I mean it's probably easier for him to keep tipping along because he has his all around medal 
won in 2010 and, and, he, and he's been an unbelievable servant he's outlasted everybody else really from, from, from that era um, but, it, but I think it's real credit to those guys that they're back there fighting and they produced what they did a couple of weeks ago against Kerry and obviously now the challenge is to back that up you know, not that it'd be a one-off. You know, it would be a yeah. disaster for Cork if they lost tomorrow. There's no point in dressing it up any other way. No, yeah, you're right. And as you said, like to have that motivation to keep going from all the knockdowns years. I don't know how the players have done it, but what has been different about them this year? You've been at most of the matches. What have you seen that you've been like, right? This is different about this team. Well, look, I, I suppose Keane O'Neill had, had certainly made a difference in the background there. You know, even maybe not directly that we can see, but obviously he, he's a very, very tactical coach. He's a hugely experienced coach. I mean, you're going back to 2010 when Cork won another football title. He was involved with the Tech Hurlers that year. You know, so like he has a background, you know, across the board, Bobby Kerry, obviously, when they won Northern Ireland, Mayo teams that got to all Ireland finals and managed to go on Native Kid there as well. So I think he's, he's made a huge difference. Probably being in Division 3 worked out well for Cork, I think, because they were able to, you know, blood through players there during the spring. I mean, you take someone like Brian Hartnett, who had a great, great game in last year's under 20 All Ireland final. Obviously, he didn't feature in Championship against Kerry and he had an injury from, from club duty, but, but someone like that got a lot of minutes there across the spring. And um, so I, I think it gave them a good opportunity to build a bit of winning momentum. I know they were playing slightly weaker teams but you said the likes of Down you know you tip who were playing, playing tomorrow involved in that league so I, I think that there's a nice bit of momentum and I suppose to be fair to Ronan McCarthy he probably learned a lot from, from that first season I think he made a reference after the Kerry game to you know getting massive commitment from the players and buying from the players and you know it, they've got kind of a bit of a squad thing going on at the moment I mean we still don't know what the team is which, which, is, which is strange but you know not alone were they kind of probably looking at who was going to be in the starting 15 it was probably a case of who was going to make the 26 man pal, panel with the likes of you you know, Keane Coyley and Colin Manny yeah. available. They had Knox last day. But there, there, I think there's a right bite there. And you can imagine last weekend, day versus B game would have been seriously intense. But I think they've had that across the season. And then probably just winning minor and under 20 last year gave everyone a lift. You know, they were they were great victory. The way they won the games as well, the way the, the two, two car teams came back, obviously from the dead and under 20 and, and, and grabbed the kind of chance in extra time against Galway and Minor. There was a bit of a swagger that we haven't associated with Cork football for a while in those performances. So that's all kind of come together nicely. Both sides unfinished business with the Munster final over the last few years. How do you see the game like going? What do you expect from the game tomorrow? Well, look, I suppose it, it, it's a huge opportunity for Tip. It, it, it's a fantastic chance for him. And I mean, that without being, being kind of, you know, negative from a Tip point of view, the fact they're not playing Kerry must have given them a lift you know the minute the final whistle went in that game they were said yeah look you know, fair play you know right Cork have beaten Kerry but I mean Cork are you know a different force compared to Kerry or aren't the force that Kerry are so I think Tip will go in there with a lot of confidence um, I suppose from a Cork point of view I'd like to see Cork kind of set the tone from the start bring something a bit different to the game I mean they set up a certain way two weeks ago because they knew how Kerry were going to play on the back of their, their couple of league games that they were going to play a more counter-attacking style than we've seen before from Kerry so Cork knew what was coming there I think so you'd like to see Cork play slightly more direct you know slightly more aggressive kind of style tomorrow I'd love to see Luke Connolly in from the start um, you know I mean, it was probably a good move to bring him on in, in the second half to last day but I think he's bit of class and skill and he has generally played very well against Tip even going back there you know t- three years ago in, in 2017 he got a last second goal in Parky Ring to win the Munster semi-final um, and I suppose key for Cork will be probably you know, it's, it's an obvious one but Conor Sweeney you know was there the difference against Limerick he, he put the game to extra time but also he's caused Cork a lot of problems over the years even in the games where Tip, Tip have been beaten by Cork he's always put three or four scores in play on the board he's got a few big goals against Cork so I suppose himself and Michael Quinlivan are their marquee forwards. Um, 
So Cork will probably want you know want to have the right guys tagged onto them to shut them down. But I'd be hoping Cork will be able to set the, set tone from the off. And I do think they you know they have a better squad and probably a better team than Tip. That that's my genuine belief. But at the same time, I mean Tip are a decent team. They've been neck and neck with Cork all the way across the last six or seven seasons. I've beaten them in championship, beaten them in the league. So there shouldn't be a whole lot in it either, you know. Right, Eamon Murphy of the Echo Sports joining me to preview tomorrow's game. That is it for me tonight. I'll be back next Saturday. I'm in Parky Creeve tomorrow for the Munster Finals. So plenty of post-match reaction tomorrow evening on the bench with Rory from 6pm. Stay tuned. You're in for a right treat next. Red FM Jingle Bell Ball with Stevie G and Coates on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.